Hello, friend. How are you? I'm doing okay. Thanks for asking. I'm so glad to welcome you into the same place. It's a place of inclusivity and safety for any conversation to be heard. The safe place began as a image in my head of a wooden cabin on the lake. My own place of mental safety. And I welcome you here to listen to discussions on mental and physical health mental illness and mental and physical disability. You may hear stories that inspire. You may hear stories that make you cry, both in sadness and happiness. But always told from a place of truth. And we hold dear the principles of love, kindness and compassion. Now, with that all said, it's time to hunker down, get comfortable, so we're ready to welcome you in too. A safe place. Hello and welcome, uh, Susan. Uh, thank you so much for coming on today, and welcome to the safe place. As is tradition with guests, I'm going to hand straight over to you for yourself to uh, introduce yourself. So over to you. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me here. This is amazing to see you and to be able to chat with you. Um, yeah, I'm Susan Niebergall, uh, owner of Susan Niebergall Fitness, and I am co-coach in the Inner Circle with Jordan Syatt. And um, I am just this uh, literally recently turned 62-year-old um, who was the consummate yo-yo dieter, went through decades of losing, gaining, losing, gaining, never figuring it out until I got into my mid-50s, early to mid-50s, um, where just surrounded myself with the right people, started taking responsibility for the things that I thought I was doing in my head, but I really wasn't doing in my head. Um, and all the reasons why I couldn't actually keep the weight off those kinds of things and literally turned everything around. Um, and meaning physically changed how I look mindset wise, changed how I think emotionally, how I feel, all, I changed everything. And so my, my message has been, to get out there to the world, especially to middle-aged women in particular, but to anybody that it's never too late to start any of this, right? I, I think middle-aged women especially tend to think it's just too late. You know, it's menopause, mm. it's this, it's that, blah, 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 getting older, la, 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 I can't do, you know, it's never going to happen for me. No, it can happen for you. It, it can, but it does take some shifts. You know, it takes you shifting what you've believed for decades, you know, and that's not easy, you know, yeah. but, um, becoming brutally aware of what you're actually doing and not trying to, um, convince yourself you're doing absolutely everything, you know? Um, so tough love components to all of this as well. But the point is that, yeah, you can change. It's not too late. And that's the message I want to scream from the mountaintops. I really mm. feel like this is my calling, if you will. It's my passion to make sure that everybody knows if I can do this, so can you. Because I am not an athlete. I don't have great genetics at all, actually. Um, something I have to be very aware of. And yeah, um, it is just, it's never too late. So I don't want anyone to sit there and think, yeah, I've tried everything. It doesn't work. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't, I don't buy that because I was that person too. So it, and I wrote a book actually about my entire fitness journey, I guess, if you want to call it, it's called fit at any age, it's never too late. And it's literally a book about all the mistakes I made like for decades. And what's interesting is the feedback I've gotten from this book is that people tell me, Oh my God, this was me. I did this too. I, you know, we all did it. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We're in great company. We all did it. But I also talk about how I turned it around, right? And and the work that it re was required to do that, but how you can do it, you know, and how that being able to turn that around opened up other doors for, you know, starting a fitness business after I retired from the school or something mm. like that, you know, and, and becoming um, a coach with Jordan in the inner circle you know, I would never have been able to do any of that had I not, um, put in some work, you know, in my mid fifties and stuff. So, um, that's kind of what I'm all about in here just to, to, to chat about anything you want to chat about, answer questions, do whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and, and obviously that was all done overnight and results are instantaneous, right? Uh, at the snap of a finger, <laughs> <laughs> you know, isn't that funny? Because 
patience is the one thing that so many don't have, you know, and, um, nowadays everything we can get instantly, anything we want is at our fingertips, you Mm -hmm. know? And, and I think that plays such a significant role in the lack of patience that we all tend to have, you know? Um, and, and it's easier to, to, to say, well, this isn't working than to kind of stick it out and grit it out through some tough times when you think it's not working and, and all of that. And those are the times where you need to keep going and stop quitting because the quitting thing is what kept me spinning for, you know, years and years and years. Yeah. And, and certainly, I mean, I've had my own experience with weight fluctuations and had a period in my life where I was super, super healthy, um, actually, when I met my wife. <laughs> so it just shows the good things that can come from it. But yeah. it's also those stumbling blocks, isn't it, along the road? Because something that I've experienced, um, real stumbling blocks with um, dodgy ankles and, and all sorts of stuff going on. And it's very easy to fall into the mindset of, well, I'm, I'm hurt, so that's oh. it. 100%. I'm dealing with some stuff right now. As we speak, I have arthritis in my hip and a bone spur in the same hip. They're related. Yeah. I, I, I know. I was just diagnosed in December with atrial fibrillation, a heart issue. You know? Yeah. Um, I haven't missed a day of training. I haven't done anything. I, I, all I'm doing is, first of all, the, for, with the heart thing, I'm working more on cardio now than I ever have just for low intensity overall heart health and endurance, you know, and efficiency that that's a priority now. But, um, with the hip and the joint issue, you know, it's like finding what works, you know, stops. Don't, don't sit there and say, well, I can't do this anymore. Oh, well, you know, no, I can still do everything, just different variations of a couple things, you know, that maybe I did before, but, but, but your point is it's so easy to fall into the victim mentality. Right. I mean, we we all do that to, to some degree or another, I think, at some point, and especially middle aged women, when you get to the perimenopause and the menopause time, you know, where it's happening to you and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, that victim mentality. And I'm like, you know, we're not victims unless we want to be, you know, we still control narratives, all of it, right? We control the words. We control actually the outcomes, too, which is really encouraging because to know that we have control over this that's phenomenal that's Mm -hmm. like the best news ever but we fall into the easier route which is to blame something else for us not being successful and and that's what i did with with, um, menopause and i figured my metabolism is slowed i figured it was all of these things that i was led to believe that would be happening to me. I figured, well, this is why I can't lose weight. This makes sense to me now, blah, blah, blah. So I went to the doctor thinking I would get my blood work and it would show all of this stuff. I was going to get this medication and boom, everything was going to be perfect. When what happened was the blood work came back fine. And my doctor said, no, your blood works fine. Your (laughs) metabolism's fine. All of that's fine. And at that point, it was like a kick in the gut. Like I had to like, what? How can this be? I I had to face the fact that it was stuff that I was doing, yeah. you know, as opposed to something that was happening to me. And if you think about it, the news that the doctor gave me was the best news I could have gotten. Mm-hmm. Like, like there's nothing at play here. I, I don't have, I don't have a disease or an, or a medical issue that I don't have control over. Right. I control everything, but I took that answer from her as, um, man, that was a tough nut to swallow. You know, I I felt like it was a kick in the gut because for the first time ever, I had to start looking at myself, you know, and stop playing a victim. Yeah. There's nowhere left to hide, essentially. There was exactly, exactly. There was nowhere left to hide. And while that took a little bit of time to kind of digest and accept, once I did, that's where everything changed. And I, I truly feel like that's how it is for everyone. You know, once we take responsibility, we're honest with ourselves. And I'm really big on that piece because I feel like we will bullshit ourselves till the cows come home. You know, Mm -hmm. I really feel like we will, and we will believe it. You know, we have to be honest with our nutrition, with our training, with our effort, all of that. And once we start doing that, then 
we can actually get a baseline as to what's happening and we can build from there. And, and, you know, the sky's the limit at that point. Yeah. And, and I think that, that mind shift change, particularly over the last couple of years with COVID, mm-hmm. you know, everybody has been in scenarios where life has just been pretty shit. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been lockdowns, there's been all sorts mm-hmm. of things. And one of the things I find really interesting is that there's people that have come out looking really well and healthy. And there's other people, and I put myself into this category, or there's some other stuff that's gone on that's complicated matters for me. But they've not. They've come out either looking pretty much the same or actually slightly heavier or Mm -hmm. slightly with kind of a worse mental health place or wherever it might be. And then going from that and seeing that other people have done well, what would your big tip be in terms of actually focusing back down on who you are and how to then make that change? You know, it's interesting because I feel like we all compare ourselves to other people all the time. And that, I I think that's just kind of a normal thing to a degree because we're humans. And I think we as humans tend to do that. But we let emotion kind of weasel its way in there, and that's where it gets out of hand, right? And that's where it can be negative. And and this scenario could be one of those kind of scenarios, right? Um, then all of a sudden we become a victim again, and and then we can't get out of that, you know, because nothing works. Blah blah blah. Why bother? All the all those kinds of things. And I think when when you're trying to restart or start or whatever. I I always tell people this. I feel like there's two things that you can do. And you could do one of those two things, not both of them, but you could try two things that are accessible to everyone that that are really, it's not that overwhelming to do. You know, because if somebody tells you, okay, you need to um, count your calories, weigh your food, track, blah, 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 all these things, people are like, ah, (laughs) you know, Uh, no, (laughs) you know. Um, but instead maybe do this, you know, I, I I talked about honesty. So get a pad of paper, literally a pad of paper, forget the computer or the phone, make it paper and pencil, keep it in the kitchen and every single thing you put in your mouth, write it down. You don't have to weigh it. You don't have to measure it. Just put it on the piece of paper. I had a handful of almonds. I had a snack bag of chips. I had a sandwich and whatever, and, and put everything you drink even water, put it all on there. Just so you have this running list of everything that goes in your mouth during the course of a day, because that will be eye-opening. And, and, and be honest with it. Like if you have literally a sip of something, put it on there because everything matters from the, the point of an awareness perspective, right? I'm not worried about calorie perspective. Like the sip doesn't matter in a calorie perspective, whatever. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about from a quantity perspective and understanding what is actually we, we are consuming. And that's eye-opening. And, wh- and what people can do with that is you keep doing that and eventually you can start making small changes without doing anything major. Just, okay, I don't want to have that handful today. You know, I'm not going to do that. Maybe I'm going to have one less soda today or whatever it is. You make small changes like that. That's how you get the ball rolling, right? And it, and it lays the groundwork for an honest relationship with what you're actually consuming, you know, as opposed to, yeah, I'm not eating that much when you have really no idea, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, the, the other thing that you could do with that or instead of that, w- whichever, is literally walk. Get outside, especially if you can get outside and walk. It could be for five minutes. Start with five minutes and then maybe that moves to 10 or 15. Or maybe you're going to put your headphones on and listen to this podcast while you're out walking. Whatever it is, get out and do that every single day. Make that a habit, whatever you want to call it, something that you actually do. And it becomes normal for you. Just don't worry about lifting heavy weight and doing all that yet. That can come later, but just get in the habit of movement and doing something to make you feel better because between those two things, for someone who's like overwhelmed, these are two very easy things to do. Yeah. Um, you could do one or the other or both. It doesn't matter. And, and then you can make changes from those. You know, f- As I said, from the food perspective, make small changes, what's on your list, 
And from the workout perspective, maybe after you've gotten into walking regularly, then you say, okay, today, by the end of the day, I'm going to have done 25 bodyweight squats. So you squat by the, by you can do them all at once. You could spread them out throughout the course of a day, whatever. And I'm going to do 20 push-ups with my hands on the wall. That's where I'm starting. And as I get stronger, I'm going to lower my hands to a countertop and then I'm going to lower them to, you know, something, but this is how you can get that ball rolling. And it's far less overwhelming. And that, that overwhelming sense is such a big stumbling block for people Yeah, trying to do, because we have got a societal problem where it's that all or nothing. Mm-hmm. If, if you're not, if you're not able to do it in the perfect way and be perfect at it, then why would you do it? Because actually, if you look at what's about, particularly with social media, it's a great thing in many, many ways, but yeah. also can be a really ropey thing. And getting beyond that um, kind of, all or nothing mentality and just taking that first initial step with everything you do and, and whether it be your your own personal fitness and, and health or whether it being just taking five minutes out for the day and just being with your thoughts for for uh, for a little while because again lots of noise that goes on around you but lots. do you actually know what you're, you're what's going on in your own mind and all these little steps that you can take just just help you be better yeah that feels like what we should be doing I I feel I feel the same but yet I feel like people instead of doing that they want to try to do it all right Mm. now you know I I used to say this all the time and I I actually really believe this and 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 not to be sexist at all but I really feel like women in particular when they have a problem they want it fixed right now like you know and and not that guys don't. I think guys are much better at saying, you know what, I can deal with this in the morning. Women are like, oh, no, 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 no. We're going to deal with this right now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I think just problem solving in general, women are like that. And that's why they want to change it all right now. So yeah. I'm going to track. I'm going to wait. I'm going to do this. And, it's, and then they discover, oh, my God, the plates. There's too many plates to keep spinning. I can't keep up. I can't do it. I'm so overwhelmed. Oh crap. I forgot to do that. You know, and it becomes a big, massive overwhelm and then shut down, you know? And in particular, if you're taking that all or nothing approach and just doing everything at a hundred miles an hour, all it takes is one little thing to tip you into oh. what, are, what are probably bad habits again. Yeah. Because if a life event comes up, I don't know. You 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 mentioned about your your arthritis diagnosis and, and and your bone spur, something like that. If you're trying to do everything, that one thing seems tremendously big. It's not small, yeah. but it's it's something that you can deal with. Mm-hmm. So when you got that diagnosis what was kind of going through your mind to start with um, when you were being told about it? Well, it's interesting because my hip had been nagging me for a while and I have a great doctor, a movement specialist, and he and I had been working on my hip for a while and I, over years really, and I had periods of where it was great and periods of where it wasn't. Um, and it was just getting more cumbersome and more noticeable consistently than not, right? That had changed. So that's why I said, I need to get an x-ray. I need to start with that. Um, And so I I met with a sports orthopedic guy who understands what I do and, and all of this. And, and he, we, we had a frank conversation about, um, you know, the arthritis isn't going to get any better. And when I heard that, it was like, oh crap, you know, for the first time it's like, wow. Okay. Um, showed me the bone spur. And the, the cool thing about this was, if there was a cool thing is it all made perfect sense to me now. Why I, why I was experiencing this sharper pain in my hip. Well, there you go. I have a pointy bone spur, which is kind of unusual. It looks like a hook. And, and, and I had all kinds of crap getting caught in there. And I, it just makes so much sense as to why I was feeling that pain and how I could manipulate my leg to get out of it. So I I felt validated to some degree, you know, the arthritis piece was a little bit more of a kick in the gut because it's not going to get better. That's just going to get worse. Um, 
And he said, yeah, you will probably be a candidate for a hip replacement at some point in time, you know? Um, and he said, however, with what you've been doing and what you're doing and, and your perspective and how you do things, you will be one of the people that I have no doubt will bounce back very quickly from a hip replacement. So that was encouraging. So I, you know, I mean, he sand, you know, he did the perfect compliment, good comment sandwich, you know, (laughs) the bad stuff in the middle, the good on either end. Um, so yeah, it was a little bit, um, I mean, it's, it's life changing because I now have to be aware of this. Um, I do alter my training to accommodate. Um, I don't do full, full range of motion squats very rarely anymore. It's not worth it on my hip. Um, those are out the window, but box squats are totally in and feel great. And man, I've made so much progress with those just recently. Um, but other than that, I can do anything else. I just deadlifted 250 yesterday. So, I mean, it's kind of like my hip is, is, I'm going to be okay. You know, um, I, but I went into it thinking, and this has been my mentality. And one thing that, that Jordan taught me early on, um, you can literally train around anything. And, and this is my mentality for any little, I've had, I've had a shoulder injury before. I never stopped training. When I hear people tell me, you know, I've got this shoulder injury and I can't work out for two weeks. I'm like, no, that's absolutely not true. You should be continuing to work out in some way, shape, or form with whatever you got going, especially a shoulder. Because as I've learned from my doctor, especially with my kind of shoulder injury, the last thing you want to do is to completely rest that sucker. Because when you start doing that, you're now compounding a, a tendon issue, whatever, rotator cuff, whatever it was, inflammation, blah, blah, blah. You're making that on top of now a stiff joint because the joint hasn't been used, you know? And so you've made a, pro- a problem a little bit worse as a result. And my doc has always said, find what you can do. I maybe, you know, for me, for my shoulder, I couldn't lateral press. That was where my shoulder felt it, but I could overhead press no issue. So, okay. So now I know I'm not going to do laterals for a while. And when I do, I'm going to start back at the ground floor with those and build those back up, but I can overhead. I could do rear delts. I mean, I found things that I could do. I couldn't bicep curl with, with dumbbells, but I could with a cable because of my hand position. So, you know, you find these little variations um, of, and find the things that you can do. And I tell everybody this, go to the gym, take that pad of paper and pen with you and go through your program and test drive everything. What you can do, what you can't do. And if something causes you pain, that's a no, right? You don't push through pain. But then you look at that exercise and say, what's another variation that I could try? that I might be able to do the same work, the same muscle group, maybe, but a different way, you know, and, and then you test drive those, you know, that's kind of how I operate. So through a million, what seems like a million injuries, which hasn't been a million, but <laughs> see, you know, as you get older, not, it, it just, not to like, exaggerate you know, or like, yeah, slightly. <laughs> um, I've never missed a day of training because of that philosophy and it has helped me. And just to put that in perspective, when my hip first surfaced as an issue, this was years ago. Now I remember it hurting so much then that the only thing I really could access on leg day without pain was sitting on a bike and pedaling. The motion just helped lightweight, so this was leg day for me. And I'm like, well, you know, I could do band pull apart. So I'm on the bike, you know, or something. So literally that was my leg day. Yeah. But the important piece was I was being active. My head was in the game, right? Because I was doing something at the gym in the environment. I wasn't, woe is me. I can't work out anymore. What am I going to do? No, I found what I could do. It didn't look anything like my normal leg day did, Right. <laughs> but that's okay. That's what I stuck with. I don't even remember for how long I had to stay at that level, but that's where I started. I kept my workout days intact. I didn't skip a day. I didn't say, well, I can't do leg day today. No, I went and did that. That was my leg day, you know? So I think that mentality is super important when you're injured or, or or anything, you know, just to kind of get yourself going. Well, and I am, I I will hold my hands up um, as someone that has not been very good at at working out whilst injured albeit it is after surgery and i was out out for for a little while Mm -hmm. um 
But one of the things that I've learned over the years, so I, I was born with my condition and it like like the arthritis, it's only going to get worse. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. But something that I've really, really, really understood lately is that every time that something goes wrong is actually a learning opportunity. Oh, what and, and that alone is probably one of the biggest mindset shifts I've had that I haven't talked as much about as I should. It's not in the forefront of my head and I don't know why. Maybe because it's almost feels normal to me now, but I was that perfectionist perfect person that mm. never wanted to show weakness. I, to me, a failure was a weakness of some kind, right? Yeah. It was devastating. It was humiliating, whatever, all those words in my head. Shameful. Right? And that mindset shift that you were speaking of about turning those experiences into learning experiences, that happened in my 50s too. And, and I'll tell you, starting a business, lots of stumbles on that, right? Lots. Cause I didn't know anything about that. Still don't really, <laughs> you know I mean? I'm not a business kind of gal, yeah. but, um, you know, I'm a, I'm an educator. I'm a school counselor and teacher. Um, that's what I know, not running a business, but you learn and you make mistakes and those mistakes you, you look at objectively and how can I get better as a result of those? And, and so I love that. It, it, and that, that has been a huge difference for me. Yeah. And it's, the other thing with with injury, and it, I, it, it'd be interesting to see how how you actually went to to the gym and and experienced this, but is that every injury you get, it, look, you're injured, it's sore, it's painful, but have you found that you've had a better understanding of pain and actually what that is, so that when you're doing your broader workout, the things that you thought were painful before actually you're realizing that it was just muscle soreness and it was was just normal discomfort let's call it you know such a great question um and i think this is an issue for a lot of people i don't think they understand the difference between those you know like Mm -hmm. what is pain like this is should not be happening yeah versus this is uncomfortable you know um and it feels and, and that's more like because your muscles aren't working i mean yeah. you haven't worked those muscles before whatever um i i will say for me that has changed i don't i've always had and my doctor cringes when i say this most doctors do a high tolerance for pain and i don't say that lightly because i do I have a very high tolerance for pain. So for me, I would be pushing through things when I shouldn't have been, you know? Um, and part of that was stubbornness. Yeah. Part of that was un- I wasn't aware. And part of that was I don't want to be perceived as weak. You yeah. know, um, it was a lot, all of those things. But now, and, and it's interesting, as you were asking me this, I'm thinking even recently, like I just had my first jujitsu lesson ever on Monday. Amazing. And with a bad hip. Okay. So if you think about it, Susan, that might not be the best move for you right now. And you know what? I don't know. Jury's still out, but I I will say this while I was doing it, my hip was fine after I did it. Oh, my hip was barking. Like it hasn't barked in a while. However, I noticed after 24 hours, it changed. And so the initial thing that I was feeling is just what we were talking about. My hip has not been worked like that in a long time, in a long, long, long time. That's what I was feeling. And I can see how people would say, Oh, I better not be doing this. You know? Um, I wrote it out a little bit and, and every day it's like right now my hip feels fine. So this tells me what that kind of pain was. And isn't it interesting that I've been working out and doing all these things. And I still had that experience just three days ago, you know? Um, and it, it, and it's something that you only learn from experience, right? There's no other way to, to learn and get around this other than experiencing it and understanding that a sharp pain in the, the midst of doing something is a big sign that you need to stop, yeah. you know, because forms, something's not right. Sharp shooting pain a little ache, a little discomfort, that's a different scenario. And oftentimes that's a good scenario. You know, it's not necessarily a bad scenario from a physical perspective. From 
you experiencing it perspective, well, you know, it ain't no fun, but from really a physical perspective, discomfort's not a bad thing. And, and my doctor, he actually stressed this. I've learned so much from him, um, that discomfort while coming back from an injury is usually a very good thing. You know, if you're experiencing some discomfort while you're trying to come back from an injury and train something cool, but sharp pain, no, 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 no. You know, and, and you will learn the differences as you go through this, you know, and, and there, there's no one size fits all here either. I, I think everyone's going to be a little different with that, but it's, experience is by far the best teacher, but you have to be open and be realistic too about everything. But, you know, jujitsu for me, like I'm supposed to go back tomorrow and, um, you know, my hip, I'm probably going to feel it again afterwards. And this is going to be something that I'm just going to see, is this going to be something that I can do? I think yeah. I'm, I'll be able to work around it a little bit, but, um, am I going to be sore? Are my hips going to be sore for a while after each lesson? Yeah. I've been told, um, yeah, you know, because it's very hip oriented, you know, um, a, a lot of what you're doing. So, okay, this is new for me. So this will be a whole new learning experience for me. It's, it, it's like your first week in the, in the gym, isn't it? Yeah. It, oh it, my it's I, <laughs> oh my God. I was so terrified going, to, and this was a one-on-one lesson, right? This wasn't in a group, right? It was just me, which was mu- much better for me, but I, my stomach was in knots the night before I was terrified. So I so relate to being the new kid on the block. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still remember the first time that I went back to the gym. So I, I had a gap of, of properly training um, I was just focus on other things. I was playing sports and and all that sort of stuff years back, and then the first time I went back into the gym, the pain, the days are not then, but the days after was just unreal. Yeah, but you kind of grow to like that kind yeah. of shifting. It, it, it's interesting because the the muscle soreness, the DOMS, um, the delayed onset muscle soreness is, um, you know, obviously when you haven't worked out in a while and you go back, yeah, you are going to be sore. Uh, you know, the, and sometimes people get, you know, the, to the point where they ha- it's a hard time moving. You know, we always complain about going downstairs or sitting <laughs> yeah. down, go, sitting on the toilet or something like that, right? And then trying yeah. to get back up. You know, all those things, um, typical for, for, for uh, doms. But also want to stress that that doesn't mean you had a great workout or it does, you know, I mean, it, it's not attached to the quality of what you did. Mm. It's just a signal that, Hey, haven't worked this area in a while. And my muscles are telling me, Hey, I haven't, I haven't done that. The cool thing is that it won't always be like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, couple the of first weeks. time back is the hardest. Yeah. I, I, I've always found first session. I know I'm going to hurt. Yeah. But that's just the reality of it. Yeah. And I've got plenty of other stuff going on, so it's always pretty uncomfortable. Next session, a little bit less. Next session, quite a lot less. By the second week, my recovery is roughly right where it should be. Third week, I'm fine. Yeah. And that's yeah. not a case of that then I'm going to go and suddenly stack a load of extra weight on because I would need yeah. to feel that pain again or discomfort again. It's just because I'm getting used to it. My body's adapting to to, to what I'm doing. It's a natural, natural I, process. I think that's a great point. Um, and and when you first have that DOMS feeling, your body is screaming at you, don't move. Don't move. Like yeah. sit right there. Don't move. But the thing is, this is like the only time you should probably not listen to your body. You need yeah. to move. Like yeah. it is the one thing you need to do. And what's really interesting about this, I have people ask me this frequently, and that is, you know, should I wait an extra day before I have my next scheduled workout or whatever? And it's like, you know, you don't have to necessarily do that. If this is at the very beginning and you have, you know, several days later and you're still that sore, that tells me you probably overdid it on your first day back in and and, and you need to be aware of that. You could take another day, but here's, here's what I've always found. Even though you can't imagine doing a workout because you feel so sore, if you go to the gym, take a long time to warm up, much longer than what you would normally do. You know, get the blood flowing if you want to get on a treadmill or an ellipt- um, elliptical for a little bit, just to get the blood flowing, then do some mobility work 
And then maybe whatever your first exercise is, do some body weight versions of those. And what you're going to find is as you go through this, you start loosening up quite a bit mm. to the point where you can probably do your workout, you know? And if you would have asked yourself if you would be able to do that an hour before that, you would have said, no way. Like my body, I feel like I'm 95 years old. I can't move, blah, blah, blah. But if you take your time, let the blood start to flow, get the body temp up and, and really, you don't have to stretch, but I would do a little bit of cardio at the beginning, just a little bit, and then try to do some mobility exercises and then maybe a warm up set or two of your first exercise and see how you feel after that. Cause mm -hmm. chances are you're going to feel a lot better than what you thought you would. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm now a crutches user, so I, I, I either use um, a walking frame when I'm kind of upstairs or I use crutches when I'm downstairs and a wheelchair uh, when I'm kind of out and about because that's just my my reality now. And I remember when I was younger, I used to think that I couldn't do like two chest days in a row or, mm. or whatever it might have been. But essentially, I am doing that every single day because for those of you that haven't used crutches it's a hell of an upper body workout oh my gosh yes um and wheelchair users that that listen you'll know that you know that in itself is a is a good old workout on on your arms your chest your back but i've now been doing workouts in my home gym so I've, i'm lucky that i've got a gym set up at home and then going on doing doing crutches. Now I would have never have thought of doing that years yeah. back because I thought, well, that's just sore. But actually, it's much better by carrying on and doing more than just kind of freezing up and and locking up. Yeah, um, and it's it's just a, it's a really it's a fascinating thing. How it is body... fascinating to see how our bodies adapt to mm. all of this, right? Yeah, big time, big time, and. Talking of your kind of um, your, your kind of body adapting, how have you how have you found it from when you where you kind of first started working out to to where where you are now? Because I've seen some of the workouts that you that, that you've kind of posted on, uh, mm -hmm. on online and, and and they're they're tough old workouts. They are. <laughs> they are. Like, <laughs> like how, know, how, how, how does it make you feel? How, what, what 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 do you get from it? I mean, it's great. I, it's so funny. Jordan and I were talking the other day about how sometimes my mind plays tricks on me saying, you know, you've lost a lot of strength over the last several years, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then he's looking at me like, didn't you just send me a video of you like doing a chin up with 25 pounds on your back? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know I mean? You, you, you don't, you get caught up maybe in minutia on how you feel on a certain day. And you, you equate that to the bigger picture when that's not the case. It yeah. happens to me too. So I get reality checks. I'm trying to be more aware of that thinking, no, Susan, you really have not lost strength at all anywhere. Um, did I have periods where my strength might've gone down temporarily because maybe of the hip or the, whatever? Of course. I mean, mm. but that doesn't mean it doesn't come back or that you don't work for that, you know? So uh, overall though, I, I will say this, uh, I'm working out probably as hard now as I did 10 years ago or seven oh. years ago, actually. Um, it's different though. I do feel physically different at 62 than I did at 54. I mean, that's a big gap of time mm -hmm. and um, a lot changed in those years. You know, I, I feel like I need the recovery a whole lot more than I did back then. And I needed it back then, <laughs> but I like really need it now, <laughs> you know? And, and, um, I think that's new for me, very new, um, because I I was on, I was I was on a great schedule and I always worked recovery in and all the whole thing, but now I sometimes I give myself an extra day, like I literally work out every other day for you know, and I I say four times a week, but I never fit for those four workouts within seven days. I yeah. spread it out, so literally lower body rest upper body rest, lower body rest, upper body rest. So it's a cycle for me, not crammed into a week, right? Mm. It's a, it's a four day cycle. And I not only alternate body parts, but put a rest day also from lifting. 
Now, a rest day, I'm doing zone two cardio every single day now, every single day as a result of the heart issue. And boy, has that dramatically changed. I mean, and people say, well, aren't that's not really a rest day. Well, yes, zone two cardio is not a workout like lifting is, you mm-hmm. know, it's not hard on my joints. It's not hard on anything except it's working to improve my heart. So yeah, I'm going to do that every single day and we'll continue, you know, to do that. So, you know, a rest day doesn't mean that you have to sit on the couch and eat and watch TV all day. That's a rest day can be active, but yeah. a walk, yoga, mobility, I'm doing a lot of mobility work. Um, though I don't do yoga, I do mobility. I actually don't even do a lot of walking that much anymore because my hip does not like it. It prefers an elliptical. It's a, it's a softer, it's a softer step, obviously. And Mm. the rotation feels so much better. So I, I mean, I walk, but I'm not a steps girl at all. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on a bike at home or I'm on an elliptical at the gym. Those are my two go-tos and I'm loving those, but you know, putting that extra day in between lifting where it is taxing on my body. And, and sometimes I do need an extra day. So I'll just stretch it out. I mean, I, that part used to freak me out. Like Monday had to be leg day. Well, you know, I don't give a crap what Monday is anymore. It doesn't matter. It yeah. is whatever day it is, is what, if do I have a workout that day? Cool. What is it? Okay. It's upper body today. Cool. You know, I'm not hung up on the other stuff because I understand that four times trying to cram it into a week doesn't matter. I mean, you're not, it's not, there's nothing magical about a week, but we think there is, right? We think we got to do everything in a week. You know, it doesn't matter if you take nine days to do it. It's not like the magic disappears. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It, it, it so it, it, it's kind of what works for you, but that has been a big eye opener for me um, in the last two years is just making sure I get the adequate recovery time that I need. You know, I, I, I feel things a little bit longer that, than I used to. Um, and I also notice that getting up in the morning, I feel like the Wizard of Oz Tin Man, you know, without the oil. <laughs> you know, I'm just kind of, eh, eh, eh. and then, you know, as you move, you start getting that oil can feel, you know, and yeah. then I'm good after that. <laughs> and and how have you found the the kind of impact on your on your mind doing doing working out? Because something that I've experienced is that the more I work out and the and to be honest, it doesn't matter what the workout is, but just the more active I am in that sense, the clearer, at least, my headspace is. Oh, my God. 10,000% yes. Uh, I find that is more so as I get older. It is It is. It is more important for that as I get older, um, without a doubt. You know, back in when I first started this seriously in my 50s, um, that clear mindset and and um, confidence that comes from doing this is how I started a business after retirement for God's sake. Who, you know, if my <laughs> parents were alive right now, they would be looking at me like, who are you? You, you have retired from a job of 33 years and now you're starting a business. You know I mean? <laughs> they wouldn't even understand, you know, and I kind of look at that and say, yeah, the only reason I could do that is because I had a foundation of getting in the gym and working hard and, and reaping the clarity from that and the confidence from that. I mean, you know, as well as I do that there is this confidence that comes from lifting some heavy weight and anyone that has not really done that, it's going to be hard for me to use words to adequately describe what that is like. But once you have started to do that, you know exactly what I'm talking about and it will change your life in so many ways. You know, for me, it was business um, and having the confidence to do that, having the confidence to write a book, you know, things that I would never have done before. Mm -hmm. And I attribute it to working hard in the gym, getting stronger, building some muscle um, and seeing, um, how it makes me feel physically and emotionally. I mean, it's crazy what it will do. Yeah. And th- that feeling it's, uh, it is indescribable. And I, I, I must admit it is something that I now really struggle with because I've gone from used to be able to lift and it was my favorite lift. It's a deadlift. I just loved doing the deadlift. And the reality is now that, it's just too painful. Like mm-hmm. the way my ankles are, it's it's just a bit ruled out. Same with squats. I just can't put that load into my ankle. But 
it also means that I can focus on something else. Um, and actually, I, I had a conversation with Jordan, I don't know, a month or so ago now. And it was interesting kind of hearing him list off all the different exercises that I could still do. Yeah. That I hadn't even thought of. Um, Isn't that crazy, right? Yeah. Because we fall into the trap of focusing on what we can't do anymore. Like, yeah. my life is over because I can't do X, Y, and Z. You know? And I, and I think that's kind of a normal thing to jump to first as a human, but we can control what happens after that. You know, like, like I fell into that too briefly with the whole arthritis thing, but then I started doing the, well, look, let's try this and all these different, you know, a, a laundry list of things to do, you know, or variations of things, whatever. And that there's a ton of stuff that you can do. So it's so important to get out of the, what you can't do mindset and then get into the, okay, so what can I do? Mm. And then focus on getting stronger with those exercises, you know? Yeah. And and I am going to be trying out for the first time, um, wheelchair basketball. Wow. Um, which cause I, I played basketball when I was younger and I was all right, but very limited by lower limbs, not being the same as everybody else's. So I could never jump that high. I was fortunate that I was reasonably tall compared to everyone else. And I was always been a kind of uh, a well-built bloke. Um, so I could generally get around the court as much as I need to, but I can't do that now. And actually I stopped playing it because the pain was just getting too too much it was just not worth it anymore mm-hmm. and i hadn't even thought about wheelchair basketball and it's only recently that i've started using a wheelchair um on kind of longer 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 kind of outside journeys mm-hmm. and i just thought well why wouldn't i yeah and it's the first time in a while that i that that mindset's kind of come back in and the best bit for me and I know you've got 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 children, but the best bit for me was when I started talking to my son about it. So he's he's seen me. He's only four, bless him. Um, it's, it, it, his name's Albus, um, and he's the most beautiful child. And I know I'm biased, but he really is. He's a wonderful little boy, and he's seen me go from being pretty active, um, kind of overcoming all sorts of pain and discomfort and all the kind of rubbish stuff to being pretty immobile due to not being able to walk. And then as soon as I started talking about the the wheelchair basketball, he just lit up. Oh. Because he kind of saw me again and that yeah. kind of that 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 piece. Um and I know you do a, a a, a lot to really encourage other people um, to to kind of do more. Have you experienced that within your own family, where other people have kind of caught the bug off you and and kind of seen the change in you and and, and wanted to do more? It's funny you mention that. My son, yes, he's twenty four. Um, was I mean he was heavy obese most of his life, you know, and as a parent. Um, you know, I I always took that to heart, you know, especially when I got certified as a trainer and I started learning more and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, we, we did what we thought was right, you know, for him growing up and, um, you know, he was just always very heavy. Most of it really in his case result was as a result of, he just was not an active kid, not athletic. He's a musician. He's a kick-ass musician and, um, was never into sports, um, just music and he's a gamer. So those two things, you don't do a lot of movement, you know? Um, but I always set the example for him. He always saw me working out. He knew I was a trainer, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, um, especially in the last 10, 10 years. Um, and it wasn't until he was in college and he's 24 now. So it wasn't until he was in college, maybe his sophomore year or something where he started asking me about, um, calories and I mean something had clicked with him I think it might have been a girlfriend that was just my opinion but whatever hey whatever it was you know yeah and and so we started talking about literally um we had him write down everything he was eating and drinking we started there just like I said earlier I had him do it 
Um, and, and then um, the discussion went from that to protein because he was new to even thinking about protein. Um, and so here's this college kid who lost probably all told 80 pounds Wow! in college. And he was, he and I talked about this. I had him on my podcast actually, um, shortly after he, he lost this weight to, to, to walk everyone through what he did. Cause he was his college kid. And he goes, mom, it's not like I wasn't drinking. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He was living a college kid's life. He was just more aware of how much he was consuming. And that started with him writing it down, you know, and he started making changes from that list. He's never counted calorie. He's never tracked per se. He's gotten much better at understanding calorie counts now and kind of it's up in his head. Um, So if he ever wanted to really fine tune something, he probably could, but here's the interesting part. So he lost all of this weight. I mean, looked like a different person. Um, then kind of eased up and went back more into a surplus and has been doing inner circle workouts. Now he's like crazy into inner circle workouts, um, and has completely loved everything and, um, started bulking up, looking great. Then he wanted to shed some more, right? He had put on some weight, Yeah, kind of knew it. And all he did, and he's lost, he's almost about at the 20 pound mark again, right? Cause he'd gained a bunch a lot of it purposefully, some of it maybe not. Um, and all he has done is made different choices. For instance, back in you know COVID, when when we were all ordering you know taken f- instead of going out to a restaurant, right? Yeah. One particular place we order from, he would get his own pizza, you know, his own whatever flatbread pizza, whatever. Now, when we order from that place, he gets something totally different. I mean, it's stuff like that. The alcohol consumption he starts putting a little bit of a monitor on that. He's just making better choices. And this, this came from an open awareness of how much he was consuming from day from the earlier days. Right. So now he's able to manipulate his weight, like nobody's business. It's so incredibly cool to see. And how, um, I told you he was, he just tested positive, unfortunately for COVID and he's not feeling, I mean, he's not awful, but he's not feeling great. And he's pissed that he can't work out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's pissed, <laughs> you know, so as, as a fitness professional, how much I love to see that my own kid is now lit on fire with this stuff and is now aware of his own health and nutrition. He's not obsessive. He enjoys his life. He goes out with his buddies. He has fun, but he's, he's keeping an eye on it, you know? And I think that's, how I would love to see everyone be able to live life, you know, is to be able to get to that point. He was a lucky person. He got to that point maybe earlier than some people do. Cause I really think he could have benefited from, and most people can benefit from a period of tracking, weighing your food and all that, just for the education of it all, you know? Um, and then maybe go to a different kind of approach, but either way, um, I mean, it, I'm so proud of him, and he's just incre- he's just done incredible work. Uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and, and you can hear the pride in your in yeah. your voice. Uh, yeah. it's, yeah, it's I wonderful am, I am. to hear. And I, he was just telling me the other day he wanted to get back down to 200. Right, he, he at his skinniest he was under 200, but um, and he has been chipping away at this 200. There's not been a timeline. There have been periods of time where his weight stagnated and he, he, he and I had a discussion. He asked me one morning about it. He goes, yeah, the scale hasn't moved in like a week. And I'm like, dude, you're fine. It's all good. You just keep doing what you're doing. And sure enough, of course, the scale picks up and starts moving again, you know? Um, and we, we went out for my birthday the other night and we all had a great meal or whatever. And he goes, you know, mom, I was knocking on the door 200, but I know tomorrow morning I'm not going to be as close to the door as I was before this meal. And I said, but see, he understands that now. He understands that this is a temporary thing. He understands that he didn't gain a pound and a half of fat overnight. You know, he's starting to, because he's experiencing it. He's weighing himself every day to keep tabs on what's going on and he's learning what happens, you know, and this is part of the education, you know? Um, and so it's been great to see. I'm, I'm super proud of him. It sounds like he's got that that kind of mindset around the balance between losing weight, but also still enjoying your life. Yeah. One of the things, and I I 
I've been guilty of most things is, is the reality. Um, <laughs> but I've definitely been guilty of this is trying to lose weight so quickly because you're so focused yeah. on, right, I'm whatever weight and I need to get down 20 kilograms. So therefore I'm going to give myself a, I think the worst thing I did was something like a 500 calorie a day, um, two week period, which I lost a load of weight. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> felt, felt, felt terrible. Sure. Yeah. Um, was not nice to be around. Yes. And guess what? It went back on. Of course. Because by the time I'd got through that period, I was so exhausted, so just underwhelmed by life in reality that I needed food as a comfort. And sure. And that for me is it's quite a big thing, food. It's it's I I struggle with a binge eating um disorder. Um and I have to really consciously focus on shifting that away from food. Mm-hmm. Um so it, it's a it's a kind of big thing, and actually, looking back, if I was to kind of go back and and give my younger self some advice, it would be very simple. It would be enjoy food and take the shame away from it. I love that, I, and, and I think so many people, to your point, want to lose the weight as quickly as possible, and they tell themselves, "I'll figure out how to maintain it once I'm there." You know, they, they, they think that they can do that. And I was that person too. Mm -hmm. I remember distinctly telling myself that this time I will keep it off and it doesn't work that way. That's why I'm not a huge fan of, of deadlines and timelines. I want to lose 20 pounds by blah, 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 blah. You know, because I think what happens with that is as you approach that timeline at the end of it, and you're not where you think you should be, whatever that means, um, you will start doing all this drastic stuff just to meet this random timeline that means nothing in the big picture. And then you're really stuck. You know, you, you don't know how to maintain it. You haven't learned anything sustainable along the way. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, unsustainable methods equals unsustainable results. I mean, we we see that time and time again. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's there's, there's also that that kind of piece around weight isn't the be all and end all. Yeah. I mean, what what something says on a scale, it will fluctuate for one. So actually, it's not even a steady data point to to be able to lock onto. If you have a big meal the night before, guess what? It's, you're going to weigh more. You're going to weigh you drink, more if you drink more. You're going to weigh more. Yeah. Whereas actually shifting away from the the kind of I must lose weight to okay, what other things are there in my life that I can can attach onto? So that might be oh, my clothes are feeling a bit tight. So what I want to do is just make them feel a bit looser. Mm-hmm. Or it might be that I want to have a pair of trousers that fit better. Or it yeah. might be, yeah, you know, there's all sorts of different things. Yeah. just feel better. I, I think people equate weight to fat. Right? Mm. Um, the scale weight equals fat. I'm yeah. either up in fat or I'm down in fat. And that's not what it is. And that's why we, we, we have to make those two very separate. Weight is everything. It's all of us. Mm-hmm. It's bones, it's organs, it's fluid, it, it's you know tendons, it's muscle, it's fat, it's everything. Um, and we tend to lose sight of that. You know, yeah. We think we can gain and lose fat overnight. And it's like, no, <laughs> we actually can't. <laughs> but it takes a little bit more than that. When the goes up, we, we're thinking, oh my God, I've gained fat. Because why else would we really get emotionally wrapped up in that if yeah. that's not what we're thinking, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's it. It's a fascinating topic, I think. It re- you know, it really is because it goes down, it, it brings to the surface how much emotion is driving our weight loss car. And that is a huge problem mm. when, you know, because nutrition needs to be driving that car. And, uh, you know, you could just focus on nutrition and lose weight Obviously, we want training to be that that you know guy in the front seat with the map telling you how to get there, right? It's the passenger. He's riding shotgun, right? But nutrition's driving. Nutrition is responsible for getting you from point A to point B, period. That's it. The, the guy on the passenger side is going to help you get there, training, right? But emotion is that unruly passenger in the back seat who's telling you to turn left when yeah. you know you need to keep going straight. 
And the second you turn left, because emotion's telling you to do, you're screwed. You are, you're in the middle of nowhere and you're trying to find your way back out, right? When you should have just kept going straight, you know? And so, so we got to kind of lock emotion in the trunk of that car, you know, and let them just stay back there. <laughs> it, it's, it's the child in the back seat that's yes. either saying, are we there yet? Yes. Are we there yet? <laughs> or it's, I need a wee. So you've yeah, got to, yeah, you've got to take yeah. a detour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Got to use the children at, uh-huh. at, the, at the end of the day. Um, amazing. So as you, um, as you know, there's always a couple of questions that, that I kind of finish off with. Cool. Um, so first one is if you had your five-year-old self and it ties in beautifully to the child in the back of the car, but what bit of advice would you give yourself? A five-year-old. A five-year-old self. Wow, 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 wow. A five-year-old. You know, I would, I would tell myself – to have fun as a kid, have fun, enjoy your life, try things, uh, especially if something is a little, you're a little scared to try something, try stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and then just, I would tell any five-year-old that, but I would tell myself that for sure. And I would tell myself, you don't have to be perfect at everything, yeah. you know, because I think that started early for me. I really did. Um, I don't know what age. I have no idea, but I, you know, and and maybe a five year old couldn't process what that actually means. But somehow that sentiment of it's okay not to be good at everything. It's okay you don't have to be perfect, um, but enjoy your life, enjoy every single second. And then I'll be one of those annoying adults that will probably still say, um, you know, time goes by so fast. You know, all those things. And five year olds like, yeah, well, shut up. Yeah, you know, because I mean? <laughs> they're like, okay, whatever. Um, but it's true. You know, yeah. it is true. And I would just at least say it just because I knew I had to, because if I didn't, I would be remiss in not saying that. <laughs> Amazing. And then the other, um, the other kind of constant question is, it's a dinner table. So I'm going to be your chef. Um, and let's just pretend for the sake of this, that I am the best chef in the world can cook you anything. What would the meal be? It would be some kind of steak. Yeah. Yeah. It would be some kind of steak. And there would have to be a potato of some kind, some kind of fry, probably. It w- w- like, I want, if you're the best chef, I want you to make the very best French fries to yeah. go with that very best steak. So, Parmesan sure. and truffle uh, French fries. I would go then. hands down with that. Absolutely. A really good steak, medium, medium well ish, somewhere in there. Some really, really good fries. And, you know, I'm all about, you know, I love me some good roasted vegetables too. So mm. I would say put those off there uh, onto the side too. And I'm going to be a happy camper. And, oh, by the way, chocolate cake for dessert, please. <laughs> <laughs> it is yours. All yeah, of it. That would be um, it. And then who would you have sat with you? So there's four other seats there. I'm going to take um, one of the other seats. You've got the other. There's four other seats. Who, who would you have there? Well, I mean, my husband and my son, I would have them obviously with me and probably my, my parents, my mom and my dad. Amazing. Um, because I would want to, first of all, we would have to take time and explain to them a little bit more about the internet, <laughs> my dad especially. And he loves steak too. So this would be a great, uh, a, a great thing. He, he loved steak so much. We would also need a glass of Merlot for him and a glass of Chardonnay for my mom. Yeah. Um, and just be able to talk to them about what I'm doing now and try to explain that. And I think they would be so incredibly proud of me um, and stunned to be perfectly honest. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I would want them to see my son. They, 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 my mom got to see him as he had lost, as he was losing some of the weight, didn't see at the very end um, when he finally lost it all. But for my dad, especially to see how, Mike, my son, has grown as a musician and how he went on to, to JMU, where the university where all my whole family went. Um, gosh, my parents would just love that. So I would love to have them there. And, you know, everyone said, I've been asked something similar to this. And they say, well, that's kind of, you know, of course you want your family there. Well, I mean, yeah, especially when your parents aren't around anymore, of course. Um, but if there was one other chair that like got thrown into the mix, 
this is very random, by the way. I would want any president of the United States. I don't care. A president. Somebody sit down in this chair and tell me, what is it really like to run this country, especially in this day and age? You know, and and, and maybe it could be like an Abraham Lincoln or something from way back and, and have him look at this day and age and going, what is going on in this country? (laughs) (laughs) I would love to pick the brain of somebody like that. I'm fascinated, especially with how things have changed and not for the better in most cases. Um, Just all of that, just from the, the, the leader of, of the free world essentially, and the, the burden that's on their shoulders and what really happens? Like, how does this, how does a country get like this? And what was it like that? I mean, just, I'm just fascinated with Mm. all of that. I will. I will allow you to have that extra. Yeah. Seat. I think that'd be. Uh, yeah, I think that'd be an amazing great, conversation. That meal, steak, some fries, some some roasted vegetables, and a chocolate cake. Oh, that's like it. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing. Um, there is one last question. So one of the things that I do is I get previous guests to ask a question for the next guest. Um, and uh, a little while ago now, we had uh, Tom Davies uh, on who hosts uh, Proper Mental Podcast. And he has asked, what's the one non-negotiable thing you do for your mental health? Mm. Um, for me, gym time. Yeah. Not yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not a meditation kind of girl or anything like that. Um, hitting the gym is especially if I'm struggling for whatever reason, you know, a bad day, you know, whatever. Yeah, That is the one thing that will turn me around. Just getting in there, getting the headphones on and getting to work. That will help me tremendously. And my workouts, to be honest, have been non-negotiable for a long time. Like even running a business, I plug my workouts into my calendar first. So I don't schedule calls on, on top of them, you know, or whatever they're, they're blocked. That time's blocked off. So it's that much of a priority for me. Amazing. Thank you so much, Susan. This has been a lovely conversation. This has um, been phenomenal. Yeah, thank you. Um, I will send you away with uh, with my my ever ever growing phrase, but uh, with love, uh, compassion, and kindness. And thank you very much. Love that. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, friends. That's all we've got time for today i'm sure you have enjoyed uh, today's episode and if you did please make sure you rate uh, the episode and the show's five stars on whatever platform you might be listening on and of course please share your own stories and your own um kind of th- thoughts and feelings of the episodes in the reviews you can also find me um, on i am gavin clark and that's Clark with an E over on Instagram. And you can search for The Safe Place uh, on there too. It's a safe place podcast. But for now, I'll send you away with love, kindness and compassion. Speak soon. <laughs>